This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Tom Reithardt, CEO of Cascade Medical Center in Cascade, Idaho. Tom, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Good morning, Laura. Thank you. Now, I'm looking forward to our conversation. We're going to talk a lot about rural health and what it's like running a rural hospital, some of the challenges that you have, as well as health equity within that space. But before we dive into my questions, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background? Uh, sure. Uh, I have uh, worked in the field of healthcare for all of my career, actually, 35 years. Uh, I've worked in the health insurance end as well as hospitals, uh, running clinics, and in healthcare strategy, different roles for doing that. Well, fascinating. And I, I think, you know, I, I can imagine all those experiences really have helped you um, become the leader that you are right now, and especially um, for Cascade Medical Center. I'm wondering if you could talk about some of the biggest challenges for rural health right now and what it's like running a rural hospital. So uh, staffing in, in a rural area is really challenging uh, because we have a smaller labor pool uh, locally to pull from. And so that makes finding, especially for specialized positions, nurses, uh, rad techs, lab techs, certainly providers, is, is very challenging. And oftentimes we have to recruit and bring those people in from other areas. And then, uh, and then of course, housing becomes a challenge because in an area like ours, there's very little housing available. Uh, and so, uh, and what there is is pretty expensive. So being able to stay uh, competitive on uh, labor and wages and being able to fund that uh, while at the same time knowing that our employees are challenged with high prices of living in a, in a rural area uh, that is also a resort area like Cascade is, is, is pretty tricky. I can imagine there's a lot of dynamics in play, especially in a market like yours. And in particular, as you mentioned, just trying to stay competitive on bringing in the talent and, and the labor and salaries and whatnot. Um, you know, what do you do or how do you approach some of those challenges when there's a finite uh, budget, I suppose, in um, being able to um, actually make changes and really um, do what you can in order to work on the staffing side as well as the supply costs and um, figure out how to make it all work. Yeah, uh, it is uh, it, it is a challenge. It's, uh, the role is definitely being everywhere, doing everything all at once is required in order to make uh, things work out. I think on the labor side, the most important thing that we do and the greatest challenge that we have is wearing multiple hats. Uh, certainly, that's true as an administrator in my role. We're not uh, fortunate enough to have somebody who's in charge of marketing, a different person in charge of HR, somebody who's in charge of strategic planning, compliance, uh, privacy officer, QAPI, physician recruitment. We don't have those people in administration. Uh, we, there are three or four of us in administration who wear all of those hats. Uh, and so, but at the same time, that makes the job that much more interesting and exciting because for the right person, somebody who likes variety, uh, running a rural hospital is the best job ever. And so luckily for me, I like a lot of variety and I've had enough of a, a background working in different roles in different parts of healthcare where it really suits, suits me well to do that. 
but the same applies to everybody on our staff. Um, you know, our, our providers are family practice general providers, but they see all kinds of things, internal medicine, chronic diseases. They also staff our emergency room. So they, they really have to invest a lot of their time in training to be able to handle a wide variety uh, and acuity of patient care. So our providers uh, step up in that way, and we're really lucky to have some amazing providers here. Um, the staff itself is cross-trained. So we have MAs who can go and work in the lab, which is a pretty complex environment, uh, and our uh, our staff works in different areas of the hospital depending upon what the need is. Uh, we all know where the snowblower is when we have to clear the pathways for patients to get into the hospital in the winter, and we have five months of winter up here. Uh, we all know how to run the vacuum. Uh, it really requires a team effort, which on the one hand requires more resiliency and flexibility on our staff, but the outcome of that is it's a great team, and we all support and respect each other greatly because we all have to do and be able to step into each other's jobs as our licenses allow. And that's a truly amazing way of looking at it. And certainly, as you mentioned, you know, having that kind of camaraderie to understand each other and know what it takes to do multiple jobs, um, have something new every day, and, and really being able to tackle big challenges together. Um, it sounds like a really great place to be in, in even amongst the challenges, um, being able to do great things for the community, I can imagine, is really rewarding. What are you doing right now to make sure you're expanding access to care? Oh, uh, you know, it's really been exciting these past, uh, the past year or two to, to be able to uh, expand our access. Um, you know, the first thing is just to make sure that we have the provider bandwidth and the staff bandwidth to get people in the same day when they're sick. Uh, it doesn't do any good if you're feeling poorly to have an appointment next Wednesday. It, we really believe that we have to be able to get people in when they need us, and, uh, and so we make sure that we're available six days a week in a walk-in basis uh, for the clinic, and then, of course, the ER is always open. We're in the works of opening a second rural health clinic location in a town about 15 miles away. That town currently has no health care at all, uh, and so we and it's a growing community, so we look forward to being able to serve those people uh, in a way that's more convenient for them. Well, that's amazing to hear, and I can imagine a true blessing for the communities that you're expanding into and really allowing them the ability to get care um, right near their own homes, not having to travel long distances or, or rely on, you know, virtual care um, for everything. Like you said, you know, when you're having an issue or when you're having a problem, um, sometimes it can't wait. And really being able to have that access, I can imagine, is a real game changer. Yeah, for sure. Um the, the other way that we've really focused our uh, growth and access is to be able to meet people where they are. Uh, like a lot of rural areas, our community has uh, people, uh, who many of whom uh, live on the margins, uh, a great number of whom are elderly, uh, and they have special social uh, determinants of health that are uh, challenging to them from transportation uh, and uh, and uh, 
access to healthy foods and uh, access to pharmacy and so forth. So we've doubled down our efforts to meet people where they are. So for example, um, the community lost its only pharmacy uh, to a fire uh, a couple of years ago and it never did rebuild. So we opened an InstiMeds uh, pharmacy robot inside of our lobby so that as patients leave with an acute condition and a, uh, and a prescription, such as an antibiotic or anti-nausea, they can stop at the InstiMeds machine in our lobby and be able to get that filled uh, by that pharmacy uh, robot. And that's a, an innovation that, um, that only one other hospital has done in Idaho, uh, and I think that it's a great service and a great thing that we in rural communities can do because so many rural communities like ours are becoming pharmacy deserts, uh, which um, if it wasn't for that machine, the next closest pharmacy is 30 miles away. A couple of other examples, Laura. Um, we applied for a grant for a transport van and, and received that grant from HRSA. Uh, and so we started that program six months ago. And any time a patient needs a ride to their appointment, whether it's here at our hospital or to the next closest hospital, which is 30 miles away, or even to Boise, which is 80 miles away, then we'll pick them up and take them to their appointment. And um, it's a handicap accessible van, so if they, uh, if they have a wheelchair, we can take them. Um, that has been a really important uh, new resource to our community, and it helps people get the care that they need, uh, and especially during the winter months when it's hard for a lot of people to be able to get out. Well, that's great to hear. And certainly, I love the different ideas and innovations you have around trying to fill those gaps um, within the those social determinants of health. And, you know, the pharmacy, as you mentioned, um, with the InstiMeds, as well as then the transport van. Um, it, it's great to hear that you have that ability and opportunity. And, you know, I think health equity means a good many things to different people, depending on where they are and in the populations they're serving. Could you talk a little bit deeper into what that looks like for you in the rural health setting and um, just some of the, the health equity challenges that you're experiencing in um, any other ways that, you know, you're looking at uh, filling some of those gaps or, or closing that gap um, currently or in the future? Sure, sure. Well, um, I think perhaps the most important thing we did was uh, three years ago, we started a group called the Healthy Aging Planning Network, and that was an effort to engage with other agencies and government organizations like the City of Cascade in, in our work to make uh, it possible for our residents uh, to age healthy and to be able to live independently as long as possible at home, because there are no assisted living centers here in our area. Uh, and the nearest uh, rehab facility nursing home is 30 miles away, um, it, it is really important, I think, and plus nobody wants to go into a nursing home. Uh, really, We really focus on keeping people able to be living at home as long as possible. And so we started this Healthy Aging Planning Network to see what other community resources and agencies could pull together and be able to work with us on 
uh, on resources and programs to, uh, to support our seniors. The average age of people in our area is 60 years old, which, you know, the Idaho as a state, the average age is 36. So we really definitely, uh, as a lot of rural uh, agricultural areas are, uh, we really have an older population. And so we've been able to, to do things like we, we started a community health worker program. So we have people who can go out into the community and connect with people at the food bank, uh, connect with them at the senior center, connect with them in their homes in order to support them and identify resources to help them uh, live independently uh, and successfully as long as possible. We started a remote patient monitoring program so that people with hypertension, COPD, heart failure, diabetes can be able to monitor those conditions on a daily basis at home, the results of which pop into our EMR and our nurses take a look at them and make sure that they're doing okay at home on a daily basis. Uh, we work with another hospital. St. Luke's uh, is a great hospital in our region, and we work with them on a foot care clinic for seniors locally so that their feet can stay healthy. That's often an issue for seniors. Uh, we started a volunteer program, which is both staffed by seniors and supports seniors. Of course, we have a sliding fee schedule for people who can't afford their care. Uh, we work very hard on Medicaid re-enrollment, especially since so many people were knocked off of Medicaid at the end of the public health emergency last year. Um, we provide, we just knew, provide at-home visits for physical therapy, uh, and our, our doctors make the old-fashioned house calls. Uh, that still happens in our area. Uh, and of course, telemedicine allows us to be able to support people without necessarily having them always come in the hospital. Well, that's great to hear. And definitely it sounds like, you know, across the board to some degree, as you mentioned, doctors um, going back to house visits uh, <laughs> um, is becoming a more common thing to see, which is amazing. And certainly having that connection for um, the aging population is so critical. Um, having my own mother spend her career helping people stay and live in their homes in rural areas of Iowa is just such an important aspect of, um, you know, aging with dignity and being able to do that um, around friends and family. So that's great to hear. And before we wrap up here, I'm wondering, how are you thinking about growth for the next few years for Cascade Medical Center overall? What does that look like for you and how are you planning as much as you can ahead? Yeah, uh, Laura, that's really the greatest challenge for us. You know, we have a rural health clinic, we have an emergency room, inpatient service, uh, lab, radiology, and physical therapy all under one roof, less than 12,000 square feet. So it's a very small building. We have a total of 70 employees, so things get very tight. Um, we, uh, but because we're a district hospital, uh, we are, and we are completely independent. Um, it makes being able to raise capital to do any kind of facility expansion very challenging uh, and, and typically relies on us being able to go back to the voters and ask for tax-based support to fund uh, any kind of expansion. Uh, and taxes, more taxes are never popular. I totally get that. And so it makes, it makes growing to meet the growing needs of our community uh, very challenging. Uh, as I mentioned before, one way that we are addressing that is to be able to open a clinic 
uh, in a town 15 miles away. Oftentimes those people have to travel in to see us. So that expands our capacity in a way that didn't have to tap into our capital. Uh, our capital. One of the things that we had been looking forward to is the Rural Emergency Hospital Act, uh, which went into effect just over a year ago. And we thought that an organization like ours would have a great opportunity there because we only have about 35 inpatients a year. Uh, and so we thought that might present a great new source of capital. But unfortunately, the, when you get into the details of that act, uh, there, that $3.2 million bolus of, of additional revenue that is promised every year shrinks down pretty quickly because it cuts the reimbursement in other areas like uh, the emergency room and physical therapy takes away the 340B program revenue. And so uh, it doesn't end up providing the relief that, uh, that initially seemed to be promised by the Rural Emergency Hospital Act. Oh, that's a fascinating insight. And definitely, you know, devil is always in the details, it seems like. So when you're looking ahead and looking at it um, and, and looking at growth and development, it seems like very much trying to make sure you can optimize the resources that you have and figure out the best way to continue to serve patients without having to do those big capital projects. The The finances might not be there. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, we we have to, uh, you know, accept the reality that um, we are an independent, um, publicly owned hospital uh, with a locally elected board of trustees. You know, we're really lucky to be in the position that we are, honestly, because uh, we have a very close relationship with everyone in our community. It does really, I mean, it does really feel like we're treating friends and family, and they're definitely neighbors, every time someone comes through our doors. Uh, they they want the best for us. They support us, not just through their property tax dollars, but in other fundraising ways. And they understand that our resources are limited, and, um, and we also have a good relationship with the tertiary care facilities, uh, St. Alphonsus and St. Luke's, in the Boise area, so we're able to uh, transfer patients uh, pretty well, uh, pretty easily to those organizations when we have someone who has a need for a higher level of care. Um, those kinds of relationships, both locally in our community with the people we serve as well as with partners who provide health care in other aspects is really critical to keeping us successful. Absolutely. Well, that's great to hear. Tom, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been such a fun and fascinating discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Oh, uh, Laura, thank you for asking. It was a pleasure to be here. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks, help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way. Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there. Mm -hmm.